It'll be fun. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Uh, this is going to be fun. You ready? <laughs> Verse 1. Look here, you rich people. I mean, like, don't just listen to this. Weep and groan and with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Wow. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. The corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. Man, he doesn't like rich people. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the, Lord's he the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Like, bro. <laughs> now, I just think we should think about this. Uh, very clearly in the Bible, uh, God does not hate rich people. Okay? He doesn't. But he did say that it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why is money such a thing? Why is it so hard for a rich person? And I just want you to know, how many of you are Americans? You didn't know? Some of you are not Americans, and I, I get it. You know that as Americans, the poorest of America is richer than 97% of the world. So no matter, so you're like, I'm not rich. This doesn't apply to me. I don't, you know, whatever. I just want you to know that as God looks at the economy of the world across the globe, you are very wealthy. You are very wealthy. And the things that the Lord has to say about finances and about money and about the way that it can control people's lives is basically this. If you've got a lot of money, don't be a jerk. If you've got a lot of money, don't be a punk. If you've got a lot of money, don't think that you're entitled to something special because you've got a lot of money. In fact, he said to several people, why don't you just give it all away? It'd be better for you to give it all away and not lose your soul than to gain the whole world and be cast aside. I mean, I, we could go on and on, right? Why? Because money is a big deal. So I just, fair warning, I've been here for four months. I have yet to talk about money, but today is the day. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just what was in the text, okay? I don't know, I just, some disclaimers, just because I like to say it. I don't know who gives at our church. I don't know who doesn't give. I don't know how much anybody gives. I don't know how much people are giving to Kingdom Builder. I, I, my, the motivation of my heart as a pastor is for you and I, both of us, to live in biblical truth. Amen? I want us to live biblical lives as authentic followers of Jesus, not as a fraud. Amen? So I am willing to tackle the tough things and deal with things like your pocketbook and my pocketbook in order to help us live more biblically. So James is simply demonstrating here that money was as big of an issue in the first century to people as it is today. 
It's as big, it was as big of a stronghold then. The love of money was the root of all evil then, and it still is now. He is sharing some very difficult thoughts, harsh things, if you will. I mean, kind of mean things, right? To people that have wealth, but very clearly, he's talking to people with wealth who abused it or used it to abuse and oppress others. That's who he's talking to here. But it brings up the question about money in our own life, what we do with our money, our attitude towards money, our personal view or attachment to money is incredibly important in the life of a believer. How do we know that? Well, one-sixth of the Gospels deals with stewardship. One-sixth of the Gospels deals with stewardship. One-third of Jesus' parables have to do with money. Do you think it was important? Do you think it was an issue? Money matters and how we handle it matters even more. Why is it an issue? Well, statistically, I ran some fresh statistics this week just to see where the church is is at. It's been uh, up and down through the years as far as giving. 49% of adults gave money to one or more charities in recent data. 49% in America. So not quite 50% of our country gave something to a charity. 5%, listen, 5% of born-again believers who claim Christ actually tithed to to their local church in the past year. More Americans claim to tithe than do. 17% claim to tithe. 5% actually do. In total, one out of 20 households in the church tithed on their pre-tax income. Why pre-tax? Well, do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? (laughs) I'll take a gross blessing. That was funny. 75, listen, this this one hurts my feelings. 75 to 90% of churchgoers contribute nothing to the support of the ministries of their church. 75 to 90%. If every Christian tithed, faith-based ministries would have 139 billion more to do the work of the kingdom. It's been my, uh, so just slight, slight government thought here, government doesn't do a very good job of taking care of the poor and the weak and the broken among us. They just don't do a very good job of it. They waste, whatever. I don't want to get political. I'm just saying, but the church can do so much more with those resources than the government could ever do. Just for for instance, we spent over $42,000 this year on our food pantry. $42,000. Can I just remind you, it's September 4th. $42,000 has gone to our food pantry. Over 70 families came through this last uh, Tuesday to receive help, and every car that comes through receives ministry. That's better than the government could ever do. It just is. So thank you to our food pantry that serves so faithfully every single week. And that's just one thing that we do to serve those that are weak and hurting among us, which Jesus said we should do. Here's the truth. The vast majority of people who claim to belong to Jesus do not financially give faithfully to the kingdom of God. And God doesn't need your money, but he needs your heart. Jesus said... Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So, money talks. 
Money Talks. We're going to ask four questions today about money, and I want you to examine your own life and your own heart. Four questions about money, and it's not from James chapter 5. We get what James is saying. (laughs) Don't be a jerk if you're rich, right? We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 because Jesus had a lot more to say about it. So Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn over there, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. Going to start in verse 19, and the first question is this. It's a question of investment. It's a question of investment. Here's what Jesus said. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, it's pretty clear, right? The Lord is saying, if your goal is to store up treasure on earth and be rich in this life and enjoy luxury and all the things that this world can offer us, and you fail to put things in your bank account of heaven, which has nothing to do with gold and silver, has everything to do with investing in things that are eternal. And if you sacrifice one for the other, you will have lost it all. None of your money in this world will follow you. None of it will make a difference in eternity unless you use it for eternity. God's eyes, uh, God's, in, in God's eyes, some of the things that we gain as treasure in earthly things are carnal and they will pass away. Here's what John said in 1 John. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I mean, did you hear that? Don't love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, the indicator is that you don't love the Father. Everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has done and and, and does comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. Yes? Have you seen your retirement shrink this year? Yeah, why? Because you can't count on that. The world and its desires pass away. But the things we do for eternity never pass away. It's a matter of investment. Do you want to invest in this life or do you want to invest in that life, the life that is to come? But Jesus is speaking spiritually here, right? He's not talking about like actual monies. He's talking about spiritual or intrinsic things. Well, Jesus said that we should store up treasures in heaven, not on the earth, because on the earth, moth and rust destroy. I mean, I don't know if you know it or not, but back in in Roman times, their coins were made out of copper or iron, and those things rust. They, over time, disintegrate, right? If you've got paper money, hang it in a room in a closet and release some moths in there, and guess what? They'll eat it. So clearly to me, the Lord is using material wealth, talking about material wealth as things that we can hang our hat on and matter in this world. And what Jesus is saying is very provocative that where your your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. If you lay up for yourself treasure in heaven by giving and by serving and by loving well and by being a disciple, you do the things that God, find out what pleases the Lord and do it and you lay treasure in heaven when you stand before God's someday, friend, you'll have something to show for your work for the kingdom. 
But if you only lay up treasure on the earth, if you only work for what you can get in this life, your treasure will waste away. Where are you investing your life? Are you investing your life in eternal things or are you investing your life in temporal things? Number two, it's a question of investment, but it's also a question of truth. Look what Jesus said in verse 22, Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Why is this verse in the middle of talking about money? Well, light in the scriptures means truth. So here's here's what Jesus is saying. Are you going to live your life in the truth? Or are you going to choose to live your life in the dark? Are you going to know and understand and see the principles of Scripture of sowing and reaping and giving and serving and all the things that the Lord says to us and asks us to live by? Are you going to see those things and push them aside and instead engage in darkness, engage in things that bring death? Which one are you going to do? Are you going to live by truth or not live by the truth? Here's a verse from the Apostle Paul. For you were once in darkness, Ephesians chapter 5, but now you are the light in the, in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention that the disobedient do, what the disobedient do in secret, but everyone exposed by the light becomes visible. For in its light, it's in light that makes everything visible. Find out what pleases the Lord. What pleases the Lord? Like what is it that pleases the Lord? It's only one thing. Obedience. It's only one thing. It's obedience. You can boil every command of scripture, every life of Jesus, everything that he said, all the, all the things that are in the word, you can boil it down to the verse. I desire obedience, not sacrifice. We're good at sacrifice. Sacrifice is easier than obedience. It's easy to sacrifice. In fact, we feel somewhat justified when we do sacrifice. Well, look what I did, you know? I I remember one time, I may have told this story, because now I'm where, like I tell stories, I don't know if I told them, but one time I I decided I'm gonna go on a fast. How many of you love fasting? Liars. (laughs) I see that hand, you liar. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I decided one day I was going to go on a fast and, you know, I'm a great faster. That's sarcastic. And uh, a couple of days in, you know, I'm like, oh God, this is, <laughs> this, this is so hard. You know, I'm just whining to the Lord. And, and uh, the Lord says to me, he said, Jeff, who told you to fast? I went, well, uh, you said when you fast, <laughs> you know, like I thought it was biblical And the Lord just was, he said, you know, you're sacrificing and fasting, but what I want is obedience. And I went, sweet, I can go to McDonald's, you know? (laughs) I mean, honestly, that was my first thought. But the lesson, the lesson was, it's not sacrifice that God honors. You can't give to the Lord and say, look, God, look what I did for you. Look how I did it. God said, I didn't ask for that. He asks us to be obedient to his word, not to sacrifice for it. 
And obedience is truth. It's living in the truth of God. So if you want to live by the truth of God's word, you have to let your body, your eyes, if you will, be full of light, living in the truth of God. What does that mean? It means that we come fully out of the darkness. We come fully out, not only in our, you know, our physical life and our physical body, but inside our, our secret places, the things that nobody else sees. We come into the light and we live by the truth. And I just want you to know right now in 2022 to live by the truth of the word of God is going to be more difficult than it was 15 or 20 years ago. It's harder today to live by the truth. It's not that the spirit of the enemy is any more powerful because it isn't. He's got finite power. He doesn't get more powerful with age. His schemes are the same as they've always been. But it's harder now because the spirit of the age has come up. So we live in a culture of self-deception. We love to live in darkness. We love to pretend. Uh, it throws everything into confusion. Nothing is clear in our lives. And we can live what we think is right. We can, that's what it means if you think your life is full of light, but actually it's full of darkness. We can live what we think is right, but it's not according to the truth. If you have decided that God has given you special permission to live a certain way, you are mistaken. God has not given you a pass on the scriptures and the things that God asks us to live as disciples and followers of Jesus. You don't get to change the rules. We have to live by the truth. So what is guarding, guiding your truth? I mean, have a, I mean, even just saying that, I just feel convicted because don't we live in a culture where everything's defined by your truth? Whatever's truth to you can be truth to anything. Friends, that's a lie. It's demonic. There is one truth, and you and I didn't create it, and neither did our culture. We've had it for a long time, and we need to live by the truth. So I ask you, what's guiding the truth of your life? By what truth are you living? Are you living by a cultural truth or some distant theological idea? Or are you allowing the truth of the scriptures to guide your life, your money, your heart, and all the other things? It's a question of truth. Third, it's a question of authority. Money brings a question of authority. Matthew 6, 24, very Popular scripture, not really. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I mean, if you don't think Jesus is talking about money here, that's what he's talking about. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is saying, look, this authority issue in your life needs to be settled. And here's what I personally believe. There's no better place to test the authority of God in our life than in our pocketbook. There's no better, let me say that again, because some of you didn't, were like, what did he say? So I'll just say it one more time for you. There's no better place to test how submitted you are to God in your life than in your pocketbook. Because when God says, write a check to that missionary, and you're like, eh. or when every week you add up, how much, or every month you're adding up, do you realize how much money we give to the church and tithe? You know what we could do with all that money? And you have thought, there's a, right? We're judging the authority that God has. 
Do we give him authority in our life? That's good preaching, Pastor. I'm just saying. Is he in authority? Let me give you some some other thoughts. Uh, That word money in that verse, this is the NIV, I think, uh, you cannot serve God in money, but that's the wrong word. The King James has it better, and it uses the word mammon. Anybody heard the word mammon? All you King James people? King James is beautiful. Anyway, the, the word mammon. Do you know what mammon is? Mammon uh, is a Syriac word, a name given to an idol that was worshipped as the god of riches, but it has the same meaning or is the same god that is the god of the underworld. Mammon is the god of riches, but also the god of the underworld. You know what the underworld is, right? Not the underwear, the underworld. Sometimes I say things. <laughs> the God of the underworld, that's the God of death. That's the God of Hades, hell, and the grave. I mean, do you see the correlation between where a love of money and a, uh, I would say an attitude of get money, get money, get money can lead you to the God of the grave. He's saying you can't serve God and at the same time be supremely engaged in obtaining riches in this world. One will interfere with the other. If the spirit of mammon is a stronghold in your life, you will struggle to see it. It will be hard And someone who loves you might point it out and you, out of hand, will say, I don't have that problem. You're living in darkness. But the Holy Spirit will help you if you will give him access to that part of your life. So here's the question about authority. Who's Lord of your life? Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Who really is leading you? The last question is this. It's a question of trust. Now I'm going to read several verses in Matthew 6. It's a question of trust. Therefore I tell you, I mean, do you see, do you see Jesus' train of thought here? Do you see his train of thought? He says, you know, store up treasures in heaven. Don't mess with stuff on the earth, but store up treasures in heaven. Live by the truth, man. Make sure that the truth is is happening in your life and you're living that way. And as you live by the truth, submit to the authority of God. Let God be God. You quit trying to play God in your life. You let God be God and work on things. And and by the way, here's, here's why you can, because you can trust him. You can trust God. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Listen, college students, don't worry about your life. God will feed you more than ramen noodles. Don't worry about your life. What you'll eat, right there. Or what you'll drink. Or about your body, what you'll wear. See, life's more important than food and the body's more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. God, they don't sow or reap. They don't plant crops. They don't go to Aldi. They don't do any of those things. And yet God feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than birds? I mean, if you worry... Can you even add an hour to your life? 
And why do you worry about clothing? See how the lilies of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the, the, the plants, <laughs> how will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, Jesus says. So don't worry saying, what, what, what do we eat and what do we drink or what do we wear? And here's, here's the line, for the pagans worry about those things. And your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you as well. That's a great promise. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. We worry about a lot of things in our life. We, we always pray. We trust God. God, I trust you. I give my life to you. But the reality is that we often struggle to truly trust the Lord. But if you belong to Christ, it is God's responsibility to take care of you. I mean, I can't say it a different way. Now, I just want to say this. It doesn't mean you sit home and wait for the check to come in the mail. Right? But if you're faithful, I said this a few weeks ago, if you're faithful to God, if you honor him in truth, if you give, if you serve, if you obey the things of God, how many of you know you have every right to say to the Lord, God, I'm faithful. I'm faithful to you. Now I need you to come and provide and heal and do all the things in my life. You said if I, if I do the kingdom first that you'll add all the other things. You'll take care of every need. You'll take care of every problem. You'll work with me. It doesn't mean that he, he does it like quickly. You know, sometimes it's like a long time before God takes care of the thing. I don't know why he waits so long sometimes, but the promise is still yet true. I appreciate what Pastor Bill said. You can't, you can't be faithful to God and then God go, well, it wasn't good enough. If you're faithful to God, he's faithful to you. And that's the trust. The only way to learn that, I can't preach it to you, you have to just do it, right? You have to just step out in faith and be faithful to God in areas of your life where maybe you struggle to trust him. Maybe you struggle to know that God was gonna come through for you. You, you. He's asked you to do something to step out in faith and it was a big leap for you and you were scared and you didn't know if God was gonna do it. But friend, you'll never, you'll never know the faithfulness of God if you never step into the unknown. That's where he's faithful. So I believe, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, that you can say, God, I've obeyed. I've been faithful. It's the only place in our finances particularly, it's the only place where God said to test me. Hey, test me. You're, you're scared to tithe. You're scared to give. He said, test him. I didn't say that. He said it. If you test him, now, if you test him, you know, like, okay, I'm going to give $10,000, and he said I'd get a hundredfold return. Woo! I don't think it works that way. I think you have, you have to ha have that submitted, obedient spirit and give to God. God, if you never give anything back to me because of what I'm doing or what I'm giving or where, where I'm serving or how this is happening, if you never give another thing back to me, you've given me everything through Jesus. You've already given me everything. 
but I do strongly believe you can invoke the promise of God. So I want to ask the Nelsons to come. And they're going to share it. Can, Chloe, can you get that mic, please? Because recently they've had some things that God has done as they've served the Lord, and I want them to share about the faithfulness of God. I only got one mic, so you're going to have to share it. She doesn't like talking. <laughs> oh, Brinkley, you're coming up here? Yeah. Okay, great. So this was supposed to happen at the start of the sermon, and I was given two to three minutes, and Jeff thought I could not do it, so he put me at the end. <laughs> um, to say this year for us was rough is an understatement. Um, medically, my mom had a stroke in the fall, or uh, in the spring. Bailey had a surgery that was pretty rough on our family. My dad, a few weeks back, had triple bypass surgery. Um, beyond that, in February, I lost my job, and quite honestly, we were afraid we were going to lose the house. I was unemployed for a month. Uh, the job that I found really wasn't making ends meet, and we got through it, but it is what it is. Like, we weren't complaining. We still faithfully gave. We were serving, obviously. If you know who we are, we serve a lot. Um, this summer, our AC went out, which didn't exactly help anything, and that was after last, last fall, we had to put a transmission in her vehicle. Um, in the spring, I felt a call on my life that I'd fought six months against. Like, nope, I'm not worthy of this, I'm not, not me, I'm not smart enough, not a lot of things, but, uh... After Jeff's sermon that he was talking about tithing, uh, the Saturday before that, I enrolled in Indiana School of Ministry, and then Jeff said right out, if you faithfully give, you have full uh, right to ask for it back. I listen to the sermons typically because I'm serving so much during the week. I listened to that sermon on a Tuesday as I was driving to work or driving home from work. The next day, driving to work, me and God had to talk. said, hey, I give you a faithfully. There's times I feel like I can't afford to do this, but I still do it. Literally that day, I got a 40% raise. Um, then the following Monday, enrolling in ISOM, we... Probably, it was stepping out in faith, like just Jeff just said. We couldn't afford to do this. It was before the raise, before the raise everything. Like, hey, okay, we're, we're stepping out in faith. It's, our, uh, it's, it's something you're asking me to do. That following the Monday after that, uh, Benefactor basically said, we'll pay for it for you. I have no idea who it is. So, yeah, my ministry's been paid for for the schooling. On top of there's a lot of other little things that went into it, but it was a matter of I asked the question. I've never asked the question before. I got tired of in the middle of the summer basically saying, like, I'm scared, God. But it finally is like, hey, give it back. And he very much did. I think it's also um, something to say as well, like, Money is a, a worldly thing. It's not a godly thing. Yes, God can use it um, in amazing ways for his kingdom. 
Um, but when you really trust in God and you put everything, all of your eggs in his basket, getting through the harder times is a lot easier. Um, I mean, yeah, we didn't have extra money. We didn't have the things that, you know, our worldly hearts want. We couldn't go buy a new clothes or get in a bigger van to fill with more kids. <laughs> um, yes, but I mean, it, it just isn't, there's not so much anxiety behind it anymore. Um, anxiety is something that I struggle with. I really do. And money is a huge thing for me. Um, but especially in this past, I would say two years, um, really pouring my heart in, um, giving of my time because I don't work. I mean, his money's my money, but um, I don't add to that bank account, right? So I can give his money faithfully. Um, but for me, it's really about pouring in that time too, and just faithfully giving that. Um, and it's just, it's just goes to show you that it's not all about money. Um, God can use it. He definitely can use it. Um, because we know a lot of people live in this world, um, and they're not of God yet. They don't understand. And so that money does talk to them and it does show them how amazing God can be. Um, but for us, it doesn't have to be about the money. It's about the amazing things he can do with it. Um, so I guess that's just kind of what I have to share with you all. Um, and then just, yeah, our church family has been amazing through all of this as well. So, um, of your time and your money and your resources. So thank you for loving on us. Like we know a church family can. Praise the Lord. I invite the worship team to come if you would. So what am I trying to get you to do? I'm trying to get you to ask the questions about investment. I'm trying to get you to ask yourself if you're living by the truth of the word of God. I'm trying to get you to wonder if you've truly surrendered to the authority of your father. And I'm trying to get all of us to a place where we fully trust the Lord. That we trust him in all things. The last key thought I'll give you is this. It's very possible that what you're getting in life is in direct proportion to what you're giving. If you are not sharing love, if you're a cold-hearted person, you're likely not getting a whole lot of love in return. If you're tight with your purse strings, especially around eternal things, God is probably tight with his in your life. If you never have time for people, people probably don't have time for you. If you're living in isolation, you're probably very lonely, wondering why no one cares. If you're burying your talent for fear or selfish gain or laziness or something else, it's likely it will shrivel and eventually your gifts will be taken from you and given to someone else. If your attitude is critical and complaining, people are probably critical of you. I look at a life like that and I think, you know, God hasn't called us to live closed, stingy lives, has he? He's called us to live open and giving lives. He's called us to give lives or live lives like Jesus lived. So what's our responsibility? Seek first the kingdom of God. Let him be in control. Begin living with margin. And I, I wanted to mention that because, man, if you struggle, if you have a lot of debt, you're like, man, I would love to give. I'd love to trust God. But, man, we're just swallowed up. Great news. We've got Financial Peace University. That will help you. It's one of our connect groups. 
I want you to serve faithfully with your time and your talents. There's dozens of places around our church still that need an investment of your time and your gifts for the kingdom of God. There's dozens of places around our city and outside of our church ministries and and different things that need your investment in their lives to advance God's kingdom. And I want you to give faithfully with your money. Not because I think the church needs money. You know what I think about the church? I claim the same thing to God that Andy claimed. I I claim that our church is faithful. We serve. We give away hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. And I just trust God's going to take care of all the stuff. So I don't don't need your money. It's, It's not making my life better. You know what I mean? But you need to give. Because you need to see the faithfulness of God. You need to see God come through in a powerful way. So I challenge you, if you're struggling to give of yourself, of your time, of your money, whatever, let God do something fresh in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your words in Matthew 6 that challenge us to examine our investment, to look at the truth that we're living by. God, to wonder if what we're doing is eternal. God, to see if the things of God are really active in our life. God, it it, it gives us a chance to examine if you're really in authority in our life, if we really trust you to be the God that you said you would be. And Lord, I thank you that in my own life, in Amy, in my life, God, you have come through. We are a walking testimony. I thank you that all over this church, there are walking and living testimonies of your power and your grace and your provision. And I thank you that in this moment right now, I know there's a few people, God, a few families sitting here wanting to take in, to step into that place of favor that place of blessing, God, that place where they step into the unknown and trust you, but there's a fear that holds them back. I bind fear. I curse fear. It is not from you. And Lord, I ask you right now that you would provide divine courage, divine intervention, divine power to help us step into places where we've never stepped before. If you're here this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed, the first place to step is into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never stepped into that moment, into that risk, that investment of your soul, maybe today is your day. Maybe today's the day that you need to step into that moment and give your heart and your soul to Jesus Christ and test his power to be at work in you. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to become a follower of Christ. I want to give my life to him. I've never done it before. It's been a really long time, and I need to come back. And today, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Would you slip your hand up all over the room, wherever you're at? I'm looking. Thank you. Others, thank you. Thank you. Others, want to give your heart to Christ. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray a prayer for you right now if you raise your hand but I want you to pray a prayer for yourself. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So if you raise your hand to be saved, I just want you to pray a prayer like that and I will pray for you. Father, thank you for these four or five that raised their hand 
as they pray right now to you to receive Jesus as Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and take up residence in their heart and that you would begin to do a great and powerful work inside of them. Change them, God, from the inside out. Transform them into a new creation in you. Set apart, new for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lastly, I want to ask everyone to stand with me, and I want to renew, just all of us together, can we renew a commitment to trusting God, to living under the authority of God? If you need to break the spirit of mammon in your life, I want you to ask God to do that right now. Can we all over the room lift our hands? and our hearts to the Lord, and whatever it is that you need God to do. You need to uh, invest in the kingdom. You you need to uh, lay lay down the authority of God in your life and let him be in charge. You need to trust him. You struggle to trust him. You need to trust God. Whatever you are, would you ask him that right now? Father, help us, I pray, with courage. God, to trust you, to believe your word, to live by the truth of the word of God, to not look to the truth of the word, the so-called truth of of the world, but God, to live within the truth that you have given. Lord, to live in the authority of God, to walk in your truth, God, and to invest in your kingdom. Show us how. Father, those that need to begin to give of their, of their, of their treasure, God, they need to begin to store up treasure in heaven. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage them and strengthen them, help them overcome whatever fear they might feel. God, those that need to invest eternally with their talents and their time, God, would you help them, Father, to find that way to build the margin in their life, Lord, to cut the things out, Lord, that aren't bringing life and hope. God, I pray that you'd use us in a powerful way for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.